Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, we'll get started today. It's a prerequisite here at Christ Church that in order to preach, you must be bald and preach from an iPad. So at least that's what they told me this week. So here I am. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm one of the ministers here on staff. And uh, before we get started, I just want to share a little bit about myself and my family. My wife Sherry and I moved from the great country of Texas this last December. And we absolutely love the state of, as you guys say, Missouri, right? We absolutely love being here, being a part of Christ Church, um, being a part of this family. It's, it's a great honor for us and a privilege that we can partner with, um, for us, uh, our passion is partnering with, with students and parents, um, families, to, to know Jesus and to know their call in that and advancement of the kingdom. And for us, um, you know, raising a family in, in this church family, uh, we're excited to announce that we're expecting our first child in October and it's, it's with great joy, yeah, yeah. It's with great joy that we are able to raise up our child alongside um, this church family. Uh, as a church, we've been going through, uh, we just started a new series called God Is, uh, going through the attributes of God uh, last week. And this is really a response, an overflow of the, the uh, series that we started at the beginning of the year called Enough as we walked through the book of Colossians. In that series, uh, whether you're here or not, we, we remember that we were challenged uh, to write on a postcard uh, markers of sin that we wanted to put off and also identifiers of Christ that we wanted to put on. In this series, we're looking at the attributes of God, who God is intrinsically, who he is, and his essence, who he is. Because how we shape God ultimately shapes us. How we shape God, the Father, ultimately shapes our perspective of him and our perspective of ourselves. You know, we talk to many people, um, maybe ourselves, we talk to ourselves quite a bit. Uh, maybe we talk to ourselves and we say, I just don't know if I believe in a God that does, a God that's angry or a God that's wrathful or a God that, that smites or a God that punishes. And, you know, so many people will come to me and they'll be wrestling with God and who he is. And oftentimes I'll say, I don't believe in that God either. And they're kind of taken back. And, and yet a lot of times our circumstances, our situations, the things that are going on in our lives often form or shape our perspective of who God is. Mark talked about how God is knowable uh, through, through truth. You know, the entirety of scripture is how God reveals him, is a, is a part of how God reveals himself to us. And oftentimes we take bits and pieces and try to piece together uh, a story or a format of who God is. But we need the, the expansive uh, version, the, the whole, the entirety of the Bible, the entirety of the truth to be able to place who exactly God is in our lives. And we also need love or we need grace because we can know in our minds who God is, but we need the grace to be able to, to recognize that and recognize who he is in our lives. Carl Barth said it this way, the first and last word is always grace. In other words, it's through grace that we're able to understand God and it's through God's holiness that we are able to understand ourselves and who we are. And today we're going to talk about how God is holy. What does that mean, God is holy? 
Over the past week, I've been asking people to define holiness. And the number one answer that I received was, uh, I don't know. It's one of those words that we use quite a bit. Maybe you hear it in church or maybe it's um, something that you say. But do we know what it means? Holiness, in the basic definition, is this. Being absolutely pure, completely separate, and perfectly unique. Absolutely pure, completely separate, perfectly unique. God is holy, and his essence and who he is is holy. So what is our response to a holy God? Holiness begins and ends with grace. Let's dive into chapter 6 of Isaiah Chapter 6, verse 1. In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah sees this image of who God is, and he sees that the whole earth is full of his glory. What? full of his weight, full of his presence, full of his holiness, the substance of who God is. It didn't come from a a concept of God. It all suddenly was a realization. This is God. His whole weight filled the earth. His presence filled the earth. Isaiah comes in the fullness of who God is, his holiness. It's through grace that we're able to understand that this is God and I am not. And it's through that that we see the separation that God is holy, God is set apart, God is unique, God is pure. Holiness begins with realizing grace. This is Isaiah's response in verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Holiness begins with realizing grace. Isaiah, coming from a royal family, set apart, he was elite. He was the best of the best. He was the man with the golden tongue. He was artistic and had communicative genius. He was brilliant of his generation. And he saw something happening within his culture, and he said, you know what, I want to take hold, take power, and try to make this right. In the midst of seeing God, he doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, it's just those people that have the problem, but he says, what does he say? Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. The, the, the lips, the thing that he was uh, recognized for, the thing that set him apart was flawed, was tainted, was distorted. I wonder if you've ever been in Isaiah's shoes. I wonder if you've, you remember the moment of realizing grace. I wonder what our response would be being in there in that moment, seeing the fullness of God and his presence seeing his holiness and seeing that we are not, I wonder what our response would be. For some of you, you don't need to wonder. 
For some of you have a story of realizing grace in your life, of realizing the moment where you saw God for who he is and you saw who you were in the midst of that, the holiness of God that was revealed to you. I was a student minister at um, Tampa, Florida, Common Ground Christian Church. And uh, we had a group that was, man, there were so many challenges at inner city Tampa. There's so many things that were going on in, in the young men and young women's lives. And I wanted to take them away from all the, the, the turmoil, the things that they were struggling with, the things they were going through in their home, take them away and just go on a weekend trip. And so we went to a lake house uh, just north of the city and it was, it was crazy to get outside. Just as you get outside the city, you start to see the stars. And we're sitting underneath a... Uh, um, we're sitting underneath the stars around a campfire and we're talking about God's holiness. We're talking about God, God's character, the attributes of God and, and who he is. And we're wrapping up our time together and, and I just said, you know what, I wanna pray. I wanna spend this time to pray for one another. And they all looked at me like, oh dude, are you serious? We're gonna pray? Like, yeah, let's, let's just pray for one another. Let's just talk, about, talk to God as if he's mighty, as if, as if he's powerful enough to take away the burdens that we have in our lives. And so we circled up, guys went in one circle and the girls went in the other. And, and it's in that moment, you, don't, you never know what students are gonna do. You know, if they're gonna actually take it seriously or if they're just gonna goof off. And in that moment, jo- Joel, uh, just to my right, I said, Joel, start us off, man. And, and he was kind of a funny character and a loose cannon. And I was like, oh man, I hope he takes it seriously. And he just dropped a bomb. He said, man, God, and and we didn't do the whole like bowed head, eyes closed sort of stance. We just said, let's look up at the stars and know that God is is hearing us. And so he just looked up and he said, God, you know, my mom is sleeping around and dealing drugs and using drugs and I'm taking care of my family. And then one after another, as we went around the circle, students are sharing things that students shouldn't have to go through. High school students shouldn't have to go through those types of things. And I had my eye on a kid named T. T, it was a, it was a miracle that T came with us on the trip. Uh, he was involved in a gang he wasn't really connected with our church, but he, was, he had some friends that were going with us. And so I was, I was wondering how T was going to react. And he kind of was squirming around. And you can tell that he was a little flustered, frustrated, anxious. And he's about two people away from saying his prayer. And he pulls away from the croup. And he starts running towards the house, the lake house that we were at. And he just starts punching the house, just wailing on it and just crying out. And he's screaming, he's yelling. Everybody else is kind of just frozen in their tracks. And all of a sudden he darts away from the house about 50 yards. Dude was fast. I'm like, I'm sprinting towards him. And about 10 yards, I was about 10 yards away and T just falls to the ground and just starts punching the ground, just sobbing. And I could hear him, and I'm, I'm walking over to him, and I didn't know what to do in that moment. It's my first student ministry. I'm like, I have no clue what the heck's going on. So I, I just 
walk over to him and I just kneel beside him and I just, I just put my hand on him and he's just crying out. And he said, you don't know the things that I've done. God, God can't forgive me. God's gonna strike me down. He's just, he's just crying, he's crying, he's crying. He's like, Adam, you just don't know. That was a moment of realizing grace. You know, for me, I just put my, I, my hand on his back and I said, God loves you exactly where you are. God loves you exactly where you are. I wonder what, as I think back about T's response, I wonder where he got this idea that God was gonna strike him down. That God was wrathful. Because in, in God's essence, he's not wrathful, he is holy. And it's through his holiness that he demonstrates wrath. He demonstrates his act towards sin. And that's the tension that we live in, right? This God that is so good yet not safe. He's powerful, he's mighty. It reminds me of in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Susan's asking Mr. Beaver about Aslan. She says, he's a lion? Mr. Beaver said, yeah, he's the lion. He is the lion. Is he safe? <laughs> is he safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. We serve a good God who is mighty, who is holy, who is set apart, who is pure, who is unique. Here's what a good God does to Isaiah. Verse six. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a coal, a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Verse seven. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Holiness did not destroy, but it cleansed. It made us whole. It made Isaiah whole. His sins are atoned for. Holiness begins with accepting grace. Holiness begins with accepting grace. You know, I think about accepting grace, I think about the opportunity that we have to accept grace. And that is only done through the power of Jesus conquering death. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated this fact that we call Easter. Easter is not just one Sunday a year, but Easter is every single moment of every single day resting and relying on the truth that God has risen, that he defeated the grave, that he conquered all for our sins, that we may be holy as he is holy. It's only through that grace that we're able to be in relationship with God and be set apart for a relationship with God, for mission for God. Holiness begins with accepting grace. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone, the new is come. You know, we live in a world that may know grace, but there's a far distance between knowing and accepting. There may, you may be coming to church every, every Sunday 
and, and understanding and hearing about grace, but never accepting it. Or trying to defeat the purpose that Jesus, Jesus' mission on the cross and say, you know what, I can do it myself. I can put my, you know, pick myself up by my, by, by, pick myself up by my bootstraps and I can work for grace or I can work for God's love or I can work to, for salvation. And it completely diminishes what Christ did on the cross. A holy God closes the separation between us becoming like us as man and still holding on to the characteristics of God, being pure, being set apart, being unique, being holy. You know, for us, in order to be used by God, we have to be cleansed, be set apart ourselves. Isaiah gets this, verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Holiness begins with living grace. Holiness begins with living grace. In order to proclaim the proper perspective of who God is and who we are, we need to dismiss this idea of guilt and shame that we gravitate towards in our old self. Put off the old and put on the new. To live towards holiness is only through grace. 2 Corinthians 5.19, and he has committed to us the, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, in Christ, we become the righteousness of God. I, I did, um, I worked on camp teams through my uh, college I went to, Lincoln Christian College. And um, it was the summer after my freshman year. I just started following Jesus. And so, and really it was this experience through the summer uh, that sparked my interest in becoming a student minister. Um, it was about the, the, it was the second to last week of our summer, and a kid came up to me, a young man, junior high student, and we'd been hanging out all week, and he said, hey, Adam, I want to get, I want to get baptized. I want to give my life to Jesus. I said, David, that's great, man. Let's, let's sit down, let's talk about that, what that looks like. I asked him, hey, are you, are you ready to to proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you ready to, to walk with him in this truth that you're set apart to be on mission? He said, oh yeah, absolutely, man. I'm ready for this. He said, Adam, I want, I want you to baptize me. Adam, I, I, want, you to, I want you to be able to, to baptize me. And I, I just asked him why. Um, because oftentimes the, the student minister would baptize kids or, or their parents would. And so I was like, hey, well, why would you want me to baptize you? And he just looked at me and he said, Adam, you remind me of Jesus. What? No, yeah, you, you remind me of, of Jesus. 
I said, my gut reaction was, no, you're mistaken. I, I don't, I'm not like Jesus at all. I'm a sinner, dude. You don't know what I've done. You, you weren't around me the whole time during camp. You weren't around me when the kids were asleep and we're, we're goofing off. Like, I don't look like Jesus at all. I'm, I'm a washed up has-been. I'm a, I'm a sinner just like the rest. Why was that my response? Here's the deal. If I look like Jesus at all, it's because I know the Father. I know what he's done and who he is. And that's why this is so powerful that how we shape God ultimately shapes us. How we view ourselves. It's not about shame or guilt. It's not about what I do. It's not about the checklist. It's not about this acting like a Christian, but it's about what Jesus has already done and what he set us apart to do, to be holy as he is holy, to live out grace in action. Mother Teresa said it this way. She said, in the end, holiness is simply doing God's will in in your daily life. Paul says it this way. It's not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. It's not me. It's what Jesus has already done. How bold are we to be able to proclaim that and say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. How bold are we to say to our families, as men say, son, follow me as I follow Jesus. Wife, follow me as I follow Jesus. How bold are we to say to our coworkers, follow me as I follow Christ. How bold are we to, to fight temptation and say, you know what? That's not, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not that anymore. The old is gone. I am holy. I'm set apart. How bold can we be as a church to proclaim that truth? How bold can we be as members of our family under our roof to proclaim that truth every moment of every day to live holy as God is holy? There's so many characteristics that are on these post-it notes around this room in the hallway. What would it look like to be bold enough to come over and just grab a post-it note say, dude, I I believe in this. I believe in this so much that I'm willing to wear this and proclaim this truth of who God is in my life. We are holy as God is holy. We're living into grace every moment of every day. The best example of this is, is baptism. That God revealed himself with a revealing grace, allowing us to accept him and accepting grace and starting to live that out every day in the living grace, grace in action. Holiness begins and ends 
with grace.